This is the Selling Plugins Podcast, helping you get the most out of your WordPress plugin business. Find out more at sellingplugins.com forward slash podcast. And now on to the episode. All right. I think we are live. Sweet. Hello, Kyle. <laughs> we can hear each other. This is amazing. Fantastic. What a great start. Whoa. <laughs> uh, for those who weren't here last time, yeah, we had a bit of audio issues right at the beginning. But uh, yeah, we are we're rocking and rolling today. So this is I'm exciting. really excited about this. <laughs> so yeah, so for those who have met, uh, met us before, I'm, I'm Brian Hogg and uh, I am been have a couple courses on uh, building WordPress plugins, launching WordPress plugins, got a couple plugins of my own. And uh, Kyle, why don't you introduce yourself? I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> uh, don't want that either. Uh, I can't have any rumors <laughs> spreading or anything, but I work at a company called Sandhills Development. We're the company behind a few WordPress plugins called Easy Digital Downloads, Affiliate WP, Restrict Content Pro. I help with marketing, business development, support, a little bit of development, and this and that. They're the company. I've worked there for a little more than a year now, and I'm uh, just excited about this discussion that we've got here, Brian. Yes. So today we'll be chatting more specifically versus a huge Q&A, uh, general Q&A that we had last time. Though feel free to ask uh, any additional questions. And if we don't get to it, it could maybe be the topic for the next one. Uh, but this Absolutely. will be specifically on pricing and pricing models for selling uh, WordPress plugins. So plan is um, I've got a few slides that I'm going to go through, just some general stuff. Uh, if you're on my email list, you might have seen this a bit of it already. And uh, then we're going to yeah, share a bit more of our experiences um, selling and, and pricing WordPress plugins and then get to your questions. So if you haven't already, feel free to ask a question using that ask a question link uh, at the bottom. It's kind of hidden behind you know, call to action polls, <laughs> analytics, or maybe I see more than you do. I'm not sure. I think you do. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but click, 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 uh, add a question, ask a question and uh, ask a question that we have there. And uh, we'll, we'll get started. So let's see see if I can share the screen. We did test this before, and it worked. Nope, I just have to very quickly <laughs> move away from. Otherwise, you get the crazy uh, vertigo, <laughs> where it just keeps on going. So here we go. Can you see these slides, Kyle? Yep. Yay! All right. So I'll do a quick little chat about pricing and just some thoughts uh, that I have on the topic and uh, we'll go from there. So yeah, one, one huge issue, especially that I think we see a lot with just WordPress in general, let alone plugins is pricing too low. Um, and that just gives so many issues <laughs> that not only in terms of the business and the customers you might attract, um, but also just the viability of the business, right? Like just you're pricing so low that you need so many customers to be able to make the same amount uh, versus uh, pricing higher. And what the plugin's worth, for example, $9, right? You could totally price the plugin for $9 and get some initial customers perhaps who are like, oh, that's nine bucks, whatever, you know, price of a tall extra foam latte whip, no whip, whatever at Starbucks. <laughs> so I can, I'll just grab that for $9. Um, but to make say a thousand dollars, you're going to need 111 people to be able to, uh, to make that a thousand dollars. That's a lot of people for a grand uh, versus 49 bucks. You're going to be 20 people. That's it. <laughs> That's a lot less people to support. And so you can give a lot more one-on-one -on -one quality support uh, versus 111 people, which might all be asking you the same questions, but have only paid nine bucks. 
uh, 79.12, <laughs> right? Um, so, you know, which one would you price it at? Uh, probably 79. <laughs> Again, this depends on what plugin that you are selling and whether it's actually worth 79 in the eyes of the customer. But um, especially if you see something in this price range and they all do the same thing, I mean, which one would you think is the best plugin? Probably the $79 one and not the $9 one. Um, cause you might actually question what's wrong with the $9 one <laughs> versus, you know, why are they only charging $9 and this other plugin is charging 79, uh, which that's is true. weird. Um, so yeah, so that's a huge thing. Uh, so deciding to buy, so the point of this is that it, it takes about the same amount of effort to decide to buy a $9 plugin as it does a $200 plugin. Like you still got to go through, like, is this right for me? Do some research. Will this solve my problem? Does it have the feature maybe that I need to solve my problem? You're still going to have to go through that whole process before you decide to buy, whether it be a $9 plugin or, you know, unless you're just not your money and you're throwing money around, you're still going to have to go through that whole process. So what, the fact that they're going through the process means that, you know, if it is actually worth 79, it's going to save them time. Pricing it at $9 is kind of doing a huge disservice to yourself. So the market, <laughs> so, you know, whether uh, the market can actually deal with a $9 plugin versus say $199 plugin or even a $499 plugin, right? Like the, the people who are actually seeing you're attracting to your plugin by the price is huge. Uh, the quality of the customers just dramatically increases uh, for whatever reason. There's just, you know, it, they, they value the $499 plugin um, a lot more than say a $9 plugin. So the people who are actually going to be buying it and who you're going to be serving through your support is going to be much better, which is nice. So you can look at similar plugins if there happen to be them. And if there are great, you can maybe base your price on that. Uh, you know, goals of the business <laughs> myself, you know, I, I'm not looking to build a team. Whereas uh, someone like easy digital downloads, you're selling plugins for nine bucks. You're probably not going to be able to sustain. Uh, how many people do you have now? <laughs> what, 20-ish people? So that's just not <laughs> going to work <laughs> at all. Um, so yeah, you, you depending on what your goals are for uh, you know, selling plugins uh, will determine what price makes sense for you. And you can experiment, especially if it's your first plugin and you know you, you, this isn't your sole income. Never recommend quitting your job. Uh, you know, giving them the finger and then going and uh, building your first WordPress plugin and launching it tomorrow. Not a good idea. <laughs> I would, you definitely want to have that time and that runway to be able to experiment and up, lower, raise again. I've, I've changed the pricing, uh, you know, to kind of find that sweet spot, depending on, again, my goals for in terms of revenue and, uh, you know, the, the kind of customer interactions that I end up getting and discussions of, is this worth more to you? Yes. Cool. Okay, great. Um, you know, and so you can do those experiments if you have the time. So now there's the pricing model. So we'll talk a bit more about this uh, later as well, but um, you've got a couple models. So you can have, you know, a single version for your uh, plugin. You can also have kind of a bundled. So you have maybe a few different add-ons, but they're all bundled into maybe one or more different bundles. And you can also have add-ons that could be purchased kind of a la carte individually um, instead of just having a single version. So, you know, comparing, so you got one version or a bundle, so you've got a lot simpler pricing and marketing. You know, you could have literally just a buy now button that pops up a Stripe modal and they buy and they're good to go. Um, you're only describing that one thing and maybe there's, and one version can include like one, five, 25 license pricing 
that's that's fine. That's but that's still just one version that's only just differentiated by say one uh, feature. Or maybe you have other features that are enabled based on a higher uh, price, but it's still just one zip file. So if someone's kind of smart, <laughs> they might be able to go in or remove that if condition, uh, or or you can bundle it differently on the fly. Um, but uh, yeah, at least a lot simpler pricing and marketing for that. You have less plugins to maintain. So you have one code base, maintain that, you're good to go instead of a bunch of different add-ons. Um, and yeah, you can have that upgrade revenue still uh, to, to add more sites without really changing your code base at all. Versus the add-on model that yeah, you have a lot more complex pricing and marketing, you know, you've got to decide, okay, and they got to jump around, okay, uh, how many add-ons do I really need? Let's get this one and this one. And oh, it was, oh, there's a bundle of these. Okay, maybe I'll get the bundle. Um, so it can, you know, if you do it well, it can work. And EDD is a great example of that, but it's a lot more complex in terms of the pricing and marketing. Uh, more plugins to maintain and support. So it's not just the one all bundled together. And, uh, you know, you can't, but it can be cheaper for customers to get started. Uh, they can just get one add-on or maybe even just your free base plugin and then add on as they go. And yeah, you do have the potential for higher revenues because if they get into your ecosystem, like I have with EDD, <laughs> you're just like, oh, well, I'm not going to switch these other add-ons in this core product. I'm going to, I'm going to add on and, and add new features as the business grows. So yeah, here's a, a bit of a con. Uh, it's less so now that uh, EDD has the, uh, the all access pass with one license key, but essentially it was maintaining, how many are there? Uh, 10. So I had 10 license keys for all the add-ons uh, to EDD. <laughs> so that again, for the customer experience can be a bit of a, a negative to have all these add-ons instead of everything just being bundled into one. So personally, I have one version. Um, and so I, I sell just the one version of each of my plugins. And so that's the end of the slides, but um, I mean, we're going to be discussing more, but if you have some pricing ideas in mind, I would literally write down the price <laughs> that you want to start with. Again, it's an experiment. And then from there, you can kind of uh, experiment and, and change your price as needed based on feedback and uh, many other factors. So there are my slides. <clears throat> Good stuff, Brian. Yeah. So, oh, vertigo. <laughs> All right. We're back. So yes, yes. So um, those are those are those. So how how has it been for I guess either EDD or or your own plugins? Um, like what were some of your how how did you price your first plugin that you released on your own? Did you have a process or you just decide twenty nine bucks or four hundred bucks? What did you price your first plugin at actually? Uh, oh man, now you caught me. Mm. Uh, that was that was several years ago. The first time I ever uh, released a premium plugin, yeah. and I don't remember what we priced it. Maybe it was forty nine dollars or so, okay. and it had been worked on for a long time before. That. And uh, in all honesty, our first uh, foray into commercial plugins was kind of a flop uh, in the end. It wasn't until maybe a year or more later where we started to introduce some plugins which were a little more in demand directly, uh, solving problems people were actually looking for as opposed to problems that uh, we perceived as existing. Uh, just we, we started making just tools that were cool, uh, but no one was looking for that solution. That's, that's something really important to acknowledge. Yes. And launching it going live without uh, your own established audience or a uh, 
a steady stream of customers coming your way in any way uh, is is really difficult. That was to our disadvantage. So we completely changed our strategy uh, a year later and began launching um, premium add-ons to other platforms. And that was very helpful for us to kind of get uh, build up our infrastructure, our support processes, our sales site, our um, Let's leverage the market. <laughs> right. Yeah. And mostly get customers without trying uh, because our add-on would be listed on the other plugins website and we would just get customers from them. Uh, and slowly we're beginning to build our own audience and our own relationships with those customers and have a little bit of revenue coming in to help justify further investment in the brand. Uh, but that, that was a really great starting for, point for us and a little bit different than your first starting point into premium plugins. I believe you uh, launched kind of your own thing, but you started with a free product, which gained users through uh, WordPress.org. Right. But I did do the premium version not too long after. Well, actually, no, it was about a year and a half. Yeah. Um, and that was when customers through the free version were asking questions can it do this? I'm like, oh yeah, I could do, wait a minute. I could, <laughs> I could maybe add a, a pro version for that. So yes, that was a bit of a, a shift. And actually going back to your, like where you're building something cool uh, factor, right? If you're pricing it at $5, $9, whatever, you might have, you know, people buying it. And then you think that's, that's validation that this is going to grow, but it's really that, you know, people are seeing that it's, it's cool. And now whatever, I'll drop $9 on it. But as a sustainable business, it, it might be the wrong kind of validation, I guess. That's so true. <laughs> you really set expectations for the customer when you put that price uh, on the page. That just um, it sets the entire context for the customer. When they look at that price, um, they just have expectations. Low if the price is low mm -hmm. and high if the price is high. Yeah. Uh, I've seen people see the higher price, you know, while, while either investigating mine or whatever, and then circle back. Like you almost see them in the analytics and they're like, they hit the pricing and they go, oh, okay, it's a bit higher than maybe they would have thought. I maybe does this do more than I thought, you know, right? And then they can kind of circle back and not necessarily <laughs> trust the future set, but will this actually save me a decent amount of time? Yeah. Whereas if Absolutely. it's nine bucks, you're like, oh, this is probably just a, you know, if it does very little, whatever, but yeah. yeah Definitely. Like we, we always like just the way our mind works and the way we're used to thinking of pricing is if we see alternative products and one is priced higher, we're just, we, we naturally perceive the higher priced one as the better product. We start having like this just debate, like uh, I've already classified one as better than the other, just because it's pr priced higher. It may yeah, not even weird, be better. Eh? <laughs> and then you'll like, start to justify it. Like, right. Know, it's, it's worth spending more for the one that's more because it's obviously better. You yeah, know? obviously. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like it needs to, we need to double our prices like today. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> that's do that. be the big takeaway. While you're talking, I will double my prices. <laughs> it actually yeah. has doubled since lunch, uh, over doubled, so. Yeah. It, it, Wait, <laughs> since lunch? Since, <laughs> since, since launch. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you imagine like every hour it doubles and <laughs> someone's on the, oh, I'll just enter my credit card number. Oh, error. It's doubled the price. Sorry. <laughs> Try again. Uh, well, okay. Since launch, that's right. you doubled your prices. Yes, and uh, and your customers didn't go elsewhere, didn't just disappear without a trace. Made the same or well, more revenue, less customers, and better quality. Um, We've had so the exact many, same experience. Yep. So they then like so many, like I've got the automated email after two weeks that sends. And so many of them like, yep, yep, love it. 
set it up for my whatever site and you know everything's automated saves me tons of time thank you you know like yeah. it's just like oh cool yeah. never never heard from them you know, right so yeah no it's, the quality increased dramatically yes it's been a huge huge win for the business and and really t- gave uh the easy digital downloads business in particular new life when we went through a price increase uh uh, was it two years ago? I think uh, yeah, significant. For, was it one for, year ago? Yeah, for the yeah. EDD add-ons, you did most. Yeah, of that, but it, very and significant. Then, and then you announced what affiliate support. WP and Restrict Content Pro after that. I right. Think. Whereas right. the other one you just did, right? Like I actually saw a thread where someone refreshed the page and it, it had gone from eighty nine to to one hundred ninety nine or something. And they're like, right. oh, <laughs> what happened? Yeah. I wouldn't really say that it was without any consequences or any cons. Uh, It's been absolutely a win for the business, Uh, but we definitely got feedback from people. And there are definitely customers who were happy and then left uh, because of the move. We definitely still hear about it to this day in our ongoing user surveys. Uh, The occasional person who just says, I think it's too expensive. Uh, and, but, you know, that's, uh, something that, uh, we are okay with. We know what we need to sustain and grow the business and it was absolutely the right move. And there's still just a vocal minority of our users. Yep. I mean, there are alternatives. Uh, you can sell a plugin with just the free version of EDD. You won't have software licensing and you won't have, uh, you know, necessarily some of the gateway add-ons and stuff like that, but recurring payments or anything, but to validate an idea, you can still do it, right? So for that's free. Absolutely <laughs> true. And you'll still get support from the team. Yep. So and that's uh that's that's what I went through in the course. Yeah. Just be like set it up and then add software licensing afterwards. So at least at least you got a sales page, you know, like that's a huge win. Or <laughs> it's like you can tell a friend, <laughs> you can you can have your mom buy your plugin and you know, they could go to the page <laughs> and actually buy it. <laughs> I think we had some of these questions from our yep. awesome viewers. Sounds uh, like a plan. Should we hit the, uh, so let's see if I can actually do the start answering and stop answering button correctly this time. <laughs> so we will, we will start at the top. So start answering. So I'm considering selling my plugins with three tiers. Uh, this is from Cameron. Uh, download only. Uh, so aimed at uh, people wanting a, a quick, cheap solution. Um, and then upsell if they need support. Which, uh, which yeah, we'll, we'll get into. Uh, download and updates. So another tier, just download and updates. And then maybe another one with download, updates, and support. So do you think it's a viable approach? I haven't, I haven't seen it. I mean, I've definitely seen ones where they have, you know, no support. So it's a plugin that it just, it's very, they're very upfront. And they're like, apart from bug fixes, uh, there's no support on top of that. Um, sure. I haven't seen one with no updates at all. Right. So usually mm-hmm. it'd be, you know, if, it, if it's, you know, free or it's uh, download only, there would still be updates as part of that. Um, mm-hmm. But personally, it, it feels like it would add a lot of confusion to have, you know, download only, download and updates. It's like, I don't know, will I need updates? Is it working now? I haven't tried it yet. Um, and then download update support. Like, again, you don't know if you're going to need support yet or right. not. So personally, it, it feels like it'd be confusing on the marketing end and kind of the user decision-making end. Um, but uh, it's, I mean, it's an interesting thought. It's not one I've seen done, unless you have uh, before. A little. Uh, and I think it's, it's a totally valid question. Cameron has obviously put some thought into this. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think presenting options to customers is 
generally a, a good idea within within reason not not an overwhelming number of options but some options can really uh, help uh, give your customers the choices that they need and and even change the buying decision dynamic to be like instead of should I buy yes or no is more like which option is for me increasing the likelihood of someone purchasing um, but I personally don't like uh, these options and there's a few reasons why um, in, in no specific order one uh, you'll have to technically account for this difference in your support channels and it can be done but it, it is a hassle uh, and it's not not a hassle to downplay too much it's it's significant um, you can't realistically close the door to support requests um, completely uh, from unsupported users that's that's difficult to accomplish and also problematic because they may be a large segment of your users we may have legitimate bug reports, feature requests, pre-sale questions for whatever you're upselling. Um, so you can't really just say there's no way to contact me unless you know you're, you get behind the paywall and you can have a contact form. Yeah. Plus, they uh, have my great feature ideas, right? That will benefit all your users, right? And you're basically yeah, again, absolutely shutting that out. Um, that's important. Uh, so you will probably have to start segmenting those requests. And then you and your support team, if you have one, are going to be having this ongoing kind of juggling act of uh, which are legitimate and, and in mid conversation, where is the line being crossed for someone who's not, uh, you know, who just was asking a presale question about your upsell, but is also kind of asking a technical question about the product they're using. Um, and that's, that gets complicated and frustrating for you and your support team. And also frustrating for the customer. They're going to get sick of that real fast. It's not a, it's like, so it's like a, a poor experience for both parties. Uh, but this is just the beginning. <laughs> um, there's the whole question of recurring revenue. That's, that's huge. There's like no way that you're going to look back years from now and say, boy, I'm glad I didn't push more customers towards a recurring plan. <laughs> Unless your back. goal is just to get a bunch of money right out the gate and then run away. <laughs> right. That could be that could be your strategy in that edge case. Um, by all means, don't sell subscriptions and, and just promote that. But um, future you is going to thank current you uh, for um, emphasizing the subscription model. Yes. Uh, I'm you, banking past me now because <laughs> the recurring yeah. just started on January 3rd. So, yes, it, it is huge. The, it, this is not like a little perk that you should um, make available to those people who want to continue paying you. This is something you should lead forward with. And uh, like we said, you'll thank yourself in the future. Um, and as I said before, a limited number of options are good, but these options have to be uh, useful to the customer and options that they understand. And, um, very commonly, you'll see like the number of site activations as uh, the differentiator between tiers or options. And that's pretty good because the customer can easily reflect on how much they think they will use the product, what various deployments they're going to have. Um, but asking them to reflect on how much they're going to need support or whether they will need updates 
both of these two things are unknowns to the customer. They have no idea what these updates will be. You might yep. not even know what they'll be. They have no <laughs> idea what their questions will be. You don't know that either. They're unknowns. So you're asking yep. the customer to reflect on how much they're going to need support, how much they're going to need updates, yeah. which are big question marks anyways. Which you can uh, reflect can, on like a year later, but not necessarily. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Upon initial purchase. So yeah, maybe this is a question like on their renewal, you know, like uh, you could consider, but prop probably not worth it. It will likely confuse and frustrate the customer. So I think options are good, but they just need to be useful options to the customer and not ones that make them think about something that they couldn't even comprehend anyways. And a couple other things. One is that in the question, it says, Cameron says, uh, mainly devs, uh, mainly devs who know that what they're doing and don't need support, I would probably um, correct that thinking uh, because I don't think it's true um, that your more advanced users won't need support. Uh, in fact, I think often the opposite is true. Um, documentation is really good for helping answer the questions that your more basic users have, but your advanced users, in fact, in many cases, are gonna be the ones pushing the limits of your product a little bit more, using it more heavily, uh, using it in more complex environments, exploring really the full feature set. And they're going to be the ones finding the weak points in your product. They're going to be the ones uh, you know, using your developer documentation and extending your product somehow and saying, you know, it would be really great if you had more hooks in your plugin or a better API or your inline documentation sucks. Uh, they're going to be the ones reaching out to you. And this is the case uh, for us with a lot of our products. Uh, we get I would say a very significant percentage, probably more than half of our percentage of tickets come in from people that I would consider somewhat advanced users. Uh, people like yourself, Brian, you still open. Yeah. Brian Hawk still opens tickets <laughs> uh, with easy digital downloads. And they're a great ticket. When I was sitting with uh, Pippin uh, before. I'm just like, am I a pain? Am I like a pain to you? And he's like, no, like you're an amazing customer, but your questions are tough, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I am, yeah, sometimes pushing the limits of what things. Uh, so that's a great. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think that's just like really important to remember the advanced users, especially uh, for uh, important feature rich projects, products are going to be the ones pushing the limits there and asking you the hard questions. Um, and trying to do pretty special things with your product. The basic users may not push it quite so far. Yep. And lastly, just on more on a personal note, I tend to find um, use at your own risk products uh, and models a little frustrating um, and distasteful even like when I go to rent a car or, or buy a lot <laughs> of things like do uh, the, the guilt tripping me to try and like buy the add-on like protection plans and stuff like that. Yep. Um, I, I hate that as a customer. Those really irritate me. And uh, I don't like doing anything to my customers, which I personally hate. Yeah. <laughs> it just made me laugh because when I have a loaner car at the dealer, you have to sign before getting into the car, before seeing the car, before driving the car. The car is currently mechanically safe for use. I'm like, um, <laughs> so I can't, there's no way for me to know that, right? And they're like, ha, ha, ha. I'm like, well, but seriously, like, there's no way for me to know if the car is mechanically sound. Do you want me to crawl under the car and like become an expert or pop open? <laughs> like, <laughs> right so that is a frustrating thing every time i sign at this point i'm like whatever i'll sign it but yeah it's like yeah. If, that, if that ever went to court i'm pretty sure people would be like yeah you know what 
Brian had no way of knowing that that was a mechanically safe <laughs> car before he drove off the, uh, the lot. That's totally true. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Cameron, that's, I think that's what we think is that uh, I would discourage decoupling support and updates from distribution of your product. Yes. No, those are awesome points. Cool. And I hit done answering. Yay. I think. Yep. And it's gone. <laughs> awesome. All right. I figured this out. <laughs> All right. Some so good ones coming in here. Yes. Oh, those are great. So start answering. So Justin asks, uh, can you think of a viable pricing model that falls somewhere between traditional SaaS pricing and the standard annual renewal uh, method that we see today? So typically WordPress plugins, yeah, they have a, an annual price if you're going to have renewals for support and updates. Uh, they're going to be on an annual basis. And I guess this is a side point before we think like whether there's something viable in between. Um, I used to think that like this annual support uh, method or, you know, annual support uh, typical thing that plugins are, are, are sold under a model is, was, was bad, you know, cause SAS had monthly pricing and so mm. it's more predictable and whatnot. But at the same time, you're like, Oh, like the SAS companies really want to push you. Like if you look at any SAS, they really want to push you toward annual pricing because you get more money today. <laughs> Right. 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 right? Versus like a free trial or $9 a month, which, yeah, adds up to, you know, 100 bucks a year or a little over, but you are only getting nine bucks. And most people are, you know, having all the tough questions right out the gate when they're setting stuff up. So, in terms of viability, especially if you're paying other people to help you with support. Um, it's, you know, I, I think our annual renewal model, while, you know, maybe you could have some changes is pretty amazing that we get that money up front <laughs> yeah, right, right away. And then That's also coupled with super recurring, you get the, 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 and then the annual payment the next year automatically. Right. So, um, mm. I can't really think of something in between, right. Cause you basically have monthly SAS pricing or annual SAS pricing, which could be compared with. Uh, the annual renewal method that we have now. And then and then you have the annual renewal. Can you think of something in, in between? I'm curious that? a little bit about Justin's motivation in asking the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, like is it uh, maybe um, dissatisfaction with the, the either model? Um, but, you know, as you said, which I think it isn't said enough, we, there's a lot of reasons to appreciate the annual model. And uh, distributed software is just like, it's way less flexible than SaaS uh, when it comes to how you can price it. Uh, SaaS, a SaaS business has the ability to like charge on any routine, but they can also do creative things with pricing like charge based on usage or pay per seat models or pay based on the number of times it was used or the features that are used or the volume that's used. Uh, because it's in it's in your playground and you can measure all of these things and, and build a customer according to that. But when we're distributing the software, we don't have any of that at our disposal. Actually, that's a good point. So that that probably is the in-between where your plugin is essentially a gateway or interfaces with a hosted solution. Um, and then you might be right, whether, yeah. But then whether that plugin would have, you know, a, its own price, maybe not. It'd probably just be included in the SaaS service, but... Um, that would then allow, like you said, you know, you're, they're playing in your playground at that point where the data is being pulled and the service is coming from your hosted SaaS solution as opposed to uh, right from the WordPress plugin. But that depends on, obviously, what the plugin is and whether that works. Uh, you don't necessarily want all your data and all the load of all the sites using your plugin and your service to, to be coming from you. It is nice to offload some of that onto uh 
you know, their, their own site or the, your yeah. customer's sites. Um, and then, you know, if they have cheap hosting, it's their problem. You know, they have to upgrade it if they have millions of users using their, their service. Um, but yeah, maybe that is an in-between <laughs> where it's like your, your plugin is the interface uh, to assess. And then based on usage, then you can maybe, yeah, up, automatically up and lower the price depending yeah. on, on how they use it, I guess. But That's yeah, true. I know. I haven't seen an answer from Justin. I think he is here live. Maybe he's shy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we know, we oh, know Justin. Justin. He's not shy. He's a nice, he's great. No, no, no. <laughs> Too shy. But hopefully that I, helps uh, at least. I like the question though. And yeah. really like the annual thing is, uh, it's important to remember that um, while we do find maybe like the more frequent models uh, alluring, and maybe we think we could onboard more customers if the price point is lower, because we're charging monthly, mm -hmm. uh, there are challenges with that, especially for those of us selling distributed software. Uh, like, um, for example, like updating a changelog every month is really hard. Uh, over the course of a year, we might successfully push out some updates and thereby at renewal time justify uh, a renewal to say, hey, we've pushed out some features. But if, you're, if, if your customer is looking at the change log when their renewal comes every month and sees nothing because you do a release every quarter or once or twice a year, um, then uh, continually to, continuing to charge them for updates uh, doesn't work very well. And the same goes for support. They may not be opening a ticket every single month. So uh, support and updates are tied to like the period in which they're paying for. Right. Um, so if you can expect them to maybe open and over the course of a year, maybe they'll open a ticket and they'll get a couple updates. Yeah, that's probably gonna happen. Uh, so it's reasonable to justify a renewal the next time around. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but even like if it's something that they're continually getting value out of versus something they use once, maybe, I don't know, WP Migrate DB Pro might be a good example where, oh, I'm doing client work, I'm migrating some sites around, but now they're migrated. So come renewal, that might be tough. Whereas right. something that's like saving you time every month or is like on your site and, and, and you know, delivering content on your site and on certain pages every month you kind of want to keep that working, right? Because that is essentially yeah. saving you time by displaying the right stuff and not breaking. Um, I do believe there's a big difference between um, plugins, which uh, like are like a foundation to your site, like easy digital downloads or learn dash, like a very integral ongoing part of your site. And then other plugins, which are tools like WP migrate DB pro or WP all, imp all import, yep. which are fantastic plugins, but very often will be purchased for a single use. And then you're done with it. Yep. Uh, so the pricing model for those and strategy behind them might be quite different and logically so. Yeah, exactly. So cool. we are seeing a lot more like hybrid models, I think. So like the the line between a SaaS model and a plugin model is getting a little blurry yeah. um, at this time. And, and that's where I think a lot of cool opportunities are for plugin companies uh, just to explore um, other ways to monetize uh, their products or to get money from their customers um just upselling more creative things like a like a hybrid SaaS offering offloading some data or some processing or some reporting or something or maybe um, injecting ads into their site without their consent that's also yeah that's totally <laughs> creative right <laughs> and not permitted for a .org plugin please don't do that <laughs> but no that's that's great so okay well thank you thank you justin even though you're too shy <laughs> hopefully that helped yeah. good all right so we'll start answering 
answering. Uh, so this is from Rich. Uh, so do you think that WordPress shops uh, should sell one-time downloads anymore rather than recurring? This kind of dovetails into the first question, I think, or not dovetails, but echoes, uh, yeah, the first question that uh, that we had on recurring versus not recurring. Um, personally, I don't think if you're, if you're running this as a business, you know, like not having any kind of recurring payment for updates and even if you're not adding features, right? Like you're still running on WordPress. <laughs> WordPress is going to yeah. change a la Gutenberg coming up soon, right? So, uh, right. or well, we'll see. But that's a, a huge uh, thing, right? Like where where they want it to continue to work. And unless you want to keep supporting it and maintaining it for free, it'll just leave bad taste if a year or two years down the road it stops working with its basic functionality. And now, you know, because you weren't making any more money because you sold it one time, now you are done. Unless you, I think what the, the typical seems to be a lifetime price would be about 3x uh, the price that you would sell it for one year. So, because that tends to be, you know, three and a half, four years around that point that people might, you know, move on or on average, right? Not, not every mm -hmm. user. Um, so then, then, then you're getting even more money up front. And then by that model, you might be able to, to sustain it for many years to come. Um, right. So I don't think it's, it's necessarily gone, but yeah, you, you would never, I would never sell something that you think, oh yeah, this would be my yearly price and then have that as a one-time price. Like <laughs> it needs to be much more than that. Unless again, you're just looking to sell this and then run away to where, where somewhere that's good to run away Antigua, like somewhere, somewhere <laughs> offshore <laughs> where you're, you're not reachable right. anymore. So, right. Right. They don't so, have devastating hurricanes or anything. Uh, yes. <laughs> that would be um, well, sense? I totally agree with you I, on pretty much everything. I think that the lifetime license is uh, has declined in popularity a, a lot, a lot. It was it was the way to go in the infant days of premium WordPress plugins, but now only uh, only exists in uh, in some instances where businesses have decided to do it. Uh, for we have a lifetime license option for affiliate WP, for example. Um, but our math is very similar to what you said. We do the calculation, we play the numbers, we know the average lifetime of a project and uh, the price of our top tier and the fact that if anyone buys this product and is still using it like four or five years from now and still opening tickets with us, they're an edge case and we're mm. willing to play those odds in order to... Uh, when you know on the majority of cases which we will uh when the price point is high enough so uh just you gotta you gotta do some smart number crunching understand uh like what your top level is and then i think tripling it is a pretty good is a pretty good multiplier and then you can offer a lifetime license i don't know that it's right for everybody um but in some cases it works well and it has been working great for us there you go. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Hope that helps, Rich. All right. So our next one here is from Scott. So um, what do you think about recurring subscription discounts? Uh, and also, what is your take on how that should relate to an affiliate program revenue share? Their affiliate one's interesting, and probably, Cal, you'd be better to, to speak on that. I do a bit of affiliate, but not, not very much at all. Uh, but in terms of recurring discounts, I still have them. Um, I know EDD or Easy Digital Downloads got rid of them uh, not that long ago. A lot of ones are, are getting rid of them. For me, it's, you know, like if you don't have 
the obviously with recurring payments, the uh, the payment comes in automatically. You know, every every year, hopefully, unless their payment information is expired or whatever. And you can use something like Churnbuster or any number of solutions to like help them update their payment information easily. But just the fact that you know, if there is that decision a year later where they're like, "Do I need that update? Do I need that support?" The fact that they can buy it for the same price, <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know, if a few months down the road they have a support question or or need that update, um, you know, versus what the price is today, for me, having the thirty percent renewal uh, seems to have you know very much reduced the uh, or you know there's a very low amount of people who will cancel a subscription right away, like shortly after purchase. And um, it just makes it a no-brainer. It's like, hey, you're getting this, you know, for thirty percent less. If you don't renew before your license expires, you don't you lose that discount as well. Um, it's not like months down the road you still get thirty percent. So right. for me, I still have it. Um, I've been happy with it. Again, it's just me, so you know, I may I'm able to do it. Um, and I'm you know a couple of them. I've, I've just again started the recurring subscription about a year ago. So um, we'll we'll have to see how it plays out in the next few months, but. I guess the flip side will be if you're going to increase your prices. Um, so if your price today, say, is $49 and you know that you're going to be increasing it to $99, then not offering a discount and just being like you you were locking in today's price. That makes sense, <laughs> right? Which is similar to right. what you guys have done, actually. You've said like, hey, uh, we're getting rid of the, well, you actually did a promotion before you got rid of the discount. Right. Um, that's true. Like, that's true. You know, like, like sign up with that subscription. As long as you keep the subscription active, you'll get that 30% off. Um, but obviously you can do the same thing where if you're like, Hey, today's price is 49. Uh, there's no renewal discount, but if you lock in your subscription, you will maintain that $49 price as long as you keep your subscription going. So, um, yeah, so those are, those are some of my thoughts, but again, in terms of affiliate program revenue share, um, it, uh, it depends. Uh, I don't think, uh, yeah, anytime I've done it, it's just been like off the initial purchase. So not based on renewal uh, pricing. So it, it wouldn't, for me, it wouldn't really affect the, uh, the affiliate program revenue share either way. So, sure. um, yeah, so that's those are my thoughts. I think you're right. Uh, we've killed renewal discounts across the board on all products everywhere um, uh, last year. Uh, for everything. And I tend to think that renewal discounts are not that important anymore. Really, they were very popular uh, for WordPress plugins uh, in the past because we didn't have such sophisticated tools for making renewal easy uh, or automatic even. Uh, and like in the early days of premium plugins, one had to, I mean, maybe you remember this, Brian, but like if you bought one, you would have to like manually uh, take your license key, copy it and go to like a checkout page and put it in and like yep. proceed through a checkout to renew your login and, info, right? Like that yeah. you haven't used in the last year. You'd get an email notice that says it's time to renew. And then you've got this work to do to go and renew it. And and nobody would do it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, developers, business owners had to incentivize that by like steeply discounting the renewal price, uh, anything to get people to actually renew. Um, and now it's not the same. Uh, we have uh, automatic subscriptions that you can create and, and it just automatically renews. It tells the customer, yeah, your card is going to be charged or your card just was charged and the customer doesn't have to do anything. They can cancel if they don't want it anymore. 
And uh, this is a little more standard now. And uh, at least our customers are adopting it very well. And if you get out of WordPress and go into like other software, um, you won't really find this concept quite as much because the software really hasn't changed. It hasn't decreased in value uh, in subsequent years. So there's like not a great justification for devaluing it with this discount on renewal. It's really only used as an incentive to continue to get the person to renew. The, the product is not less valuable. Uh, and we stand by the value of our products. And we think if it's worth this much in year one, it should be worth that much in year two to this customer. And uh, we haven't experienced significant backlash or a significant decline in renewals. Uh, turning on automatic renewals is like one of the best things for our business uh, because a significant <laughs> number yeah, no, of customers. I, haven't gotten any real. I think one person yeah. actually asked, uh, do you have automatic renewals? <laughs> Probably because right. they've gone through the old process or they're like, this is a huge pain to renew. So exactly. they actually asked, do you have automatic? I'm like, yes, we do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm totally on board with charging full price for your product uh, all the time and using discounts only as promotional tools, not as like a fixed uh, uh, cut on the product price. But like if you want to run a sale or if you want to like temporarily incentivize people to renew, maybe because they've lapsed and they haven't come back, uh, do something like that for fun or discount your initial investment for the for the customer running sales. That's cool. Um, and, uh, and the other part of the question about the affiliate profit share that to me, um, for a lot of us, uh, operating at a small scale where the affiliates are, um, not, not like a huge, huge part of the business. Um, this sort of thing is not incredibly important and I would probably, not enable uh, affiliate commissions on renewals. Um, those those kinds of things, to me, are more like incentives when you're getting a little more competitive and trying to encourage affiliates to get more aggressive, or you're trying to um, be more be more appealing to really successful affiliates. You know, right. there are affiliates out there who could send you a whole heck of a lot of customers and you need to really be appealing to them. And that's those are the instances where you need to be pretty competitive and say, you know what, I'm going to give a, a big percentage of the sale. I'm going to give a percentage on renewals. And then maybe you might catch the eye of the big uh, high roll and affiliates uh, <laughs> or you might. um encourage existing affiliates to just take their relationship with you more seriously and promote your product more. Mm -hmm. uh, but those are, those are tactics that I would employ if you really want to get more from your affiliate program. Uh, not something that I would make a standard. Oh, I think that, uh, that makes a ton of sense. So hopefully Scott, that answered, uh, 
your question on that one. And we got about what, eight minutes left uh, or so. Um, so I think we'll, we might not, I think we'll skip answering our own questions, <laughs> Kyle. Because <laughs> it's sure. they got no votes. So Aww. <laughs> Aww. Aww. come on, guys. But they're good questions. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have one other one with two votes. So uh, this is uh, from Scott as well. So what, what are your thoughts on selling lifetime licenses Oh, well, actually, we kind of covered this. So, yeah, thoughts on lifetime license for, say, 2.5 times yearly uh, versus recurring yearly license if you don't have a customer oh. lifetime value yet. So, um, yeah, this I think we kind of already answered this. And, I mean, not knowing yeah. your customer LTV, I mean, that's that's you basically will that's something you'll learn, you know, like as, yeah. as you go. Right? It's Probably really hard our advice would be just don't do it until you have uh, better numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if you're doing like a big promotion and you're really pushing a lifetime license. Yeah, without knowing what your kind of support level is going to be like. Yeah, it's probably not. It's not something I added. And even now, it's like a hidden link in the FAQ, you know, for one of the plugins, right? Like, yes, we have a lifetime, you know, for for three times. uh, But otherwise, it's it's (sighs) even on the pricing table at all. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Just because, yeah, I'm not really pushing it uh, too much. But yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would hold off on that then. Yep. There you go. All right. So another one uh, is, so what is your take on selling plugins on a monthly subscription versus yearly? Uh, the initial monthly payment might increase the conversion rate, also increase the refund rate. Kind of covered this as well, actually, I think. Um, yeah. Where, sure. yeah, you, 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 you know, getting, doing the annual pricing will give you more upfront. Um, yes. With the monthly, you might, uh, you know, get people in the door early. Uh, but I think as Vova and, and others have written about, if you don't disable the features of your plugin, <laughs> then, you know, there, there are plugins where you just, you, you have the code, right? So right. If, if it's not being deactivated, you can just pay for one month and you're done. Um, so yes. Yeah. And then <laughs> yeah. justifying the renewal, if like two months, three months goes by. And like we talked about before, the customer sees no new features were added, no updates came out. I uh, didn't open a ticket in this time. Why am I still renewing? Yeah. Why am I still paying for updates and support? I don't need it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah. If you're seeing it every month, especially if you're sending an email, uh, yeah, people are uh, people are going to be a little more inclined to cancel. <laughs> so uh, personally, I'm, I'm not a. F- I haven't done the monthly, and I don't think I'll, I'll ever try that for a WordPress plugin. I would just think what with- one might consider. Uh, the, the only closest thing that I would consider on monthly would be things like club memberships. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have like a, a, a site with a, a significant catalog of options, maybe like a, a bunch of themes or uh, a lot of different plugins, um, and you wanted to sell some sort of like a membership model where you get access maybe to a certain number of down, maybe you sell an all access pass, which is something that we've been doing now. Uh, you could potentially do that on a monthly model and maybe employ some limitations for the user so they can only maybe download so many things per month or something like that. Uh, Or or maybe even no limits because the customer may be appreciating the ability to access always whatever they want when they need it. There are other plugin and theme shops who uh, operate on this model and uh, quite successfully if they have so much to offer that you're just like making them, uh, uh, you are making them your tool shed really yeah exactly no yeah what wpmu right does this uh, pretty right right they've been doing that for years very successfully 
So some people will do a monthly and then cancel and others won't because they want that support and those updates. So, um, right. Yeah. Hope that helps, uh, Scott. All right. So I've got another one here. Uh, so disabling certain plugin options if a uh, subscription has expired. So we, mm. we sort of answered this a bit. And uh, so personally, I don't um, disable. I do check every day and I show a nag if the subscription has expired or maybe there's some, um, if there's an error checking, I don't, that's, I don't disable or show the nag right away. I, you know, try again a couple hours later. Um, and I go through that in the course on the exact code on, on how to set that up. But uh, personally, I don't like one of the features of say event calendar newsletter is to be able to automatically send uh, emails, right? By pulling the feed generated by my plugin to their mailing list. It would be terrible if there was like just worst case scenario in my mind is that if, if their plugin is active and there's just some temporary whatever that, that uh, you know, the license isn't activated, right? Disabling that and having, say, you know, a upcoming events and then a blank spot being sent to their email list, that would be terrible. You know, if, if for the last wow. year, year and a half, you know, or however many months they've been enjoying the plugin, it's been working great, saving much of the time. And then all of a sudden, all their users embarrassingly get this blank spot in their email, right? So, or it doesn't send at all whatever. Right. So for me, uh, and same with the short code, right? This is front end functionality where they probably have something that says upcoming events and the short code's there, right? And so if I say disable it, so it just shows the short code <laughs> or it uh, doesn't display the events and it's a blank spot. Again, it just looks terrible if it's like a, um, you know, a temporary issue with their, with their plugin. So for me, I, I keep the, uh, the features active and they just lose out access to updates and support they get a nag message and and that's kind of how I do it. So, uh, and I think that's sure. the same with all the EDD affiliate WP. It'll continue working as it is today with its current version of, uh, you know, any plugins to work with and uh, WordPress and everything else. It'll just, you know, you lose access to those updates going forward, so. Yeah, and it's a good question, Damien, I think. Yeah. And I've had a lot of people uh, ask about this sort of thing or consider those uh, those questions and the points you made are are excellent because I do think there's a distinction between different types of features. Sure. I wouldn't uh, outright um, completely forbid this practice. Uh, absolutely, I'm not particularly a big fan of it uh, mm -hmm. myself. It's not something that we implement in any anything that I can think of offhand. I have seen it in the wild, so. and yeah. sometimes it's sometimes it's fine. But if using it, the only things that I would consider would be features which face the customer only. So for example, in some of the plugins customer, that you mean like the, the person customer the of yeah. me, yes, my yes, customer. Yes. Yep. Um, so it could be something on your own site, uh, which maybe they lose access to when they're when their license is no longer valid, like resources or something or templates, who knows. Uh, it could be something in the plugin itself um, for example, uh, some of the plugins that we distribute um, on the little plugin store that uh, I made with some former colleagues um, have in the admin interface for the plugin, the settings there, a uh, support form feature embedded in the settings page. 
And that allows a customer really quick in the context of using the plugin, be able to say, oh, hey, I'm I'm a little confused, type out a message. And what it also does, it sends it into our ticketing system and includes all the troubleshooting information about their site that we might want to know, active plugins and PHP versions and so on. Um, So we're empowered from the get-go. The customer doesn't have to do very much. They can get support. That's uh, like a value add for the customer. Um, but could be an example of something that I would feel pretty comfortable disabling if their license is expired. Yeah, WordPress uh, does this where you're in the admin area, you can't manage members, but nothing changes for your members, right? So you just lose the ability to like manage and, and deal with the admin. They may have actually taken this out since, um, but MemberPress was a good example. Yeah, they would they would hide the admin interface or a large portion of it, but the you know, their customer experience. So people who have bought memberships, it's not like they stop working at all. Uh, right. Nothing changes in their eyes. It's just just on the back end. So, so yeah, in that case, I could see that being a, a valid thing to do. Yeah, it, yeah it's a good example. Out. And probably I would only do that if I felt like I was experiencing a problem. Like too many users with expired licenses are still opening tickets. We're yeah. going to just like hide <laughs> that feature. Something. Yeah, but then they won't but get I, the update to the hide the features. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Temporarily enable updates just for the. the uh, thing. I can't oh, win. Them over. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Good um, so, question, though. That was yeah. a great question. Absolutely, I've heard it a lot uh, as well. So, unfortunately, have to to wrap up now. Didn't get to your question, Jason. I don't know if Kyle, you want to answer it in the chat, perhaps. But um, but yeah, thank you for some great questions. Thank you, Kyle. For, for taking the time to hop on and, and hopefully you had as much fun as I did doing this. And, absolutely, uh, Brian. I look yeah. forward to doing more of this in the future. Absolutely, yeah. We've got some other ideas. If you've got some other uh, ones, maybe put it in the chat or, or let us know, uh, you know via email. Uh, what's the best way for people to, to see what you're up to, Kyle? <clears throat> well, you can check out all of our products at uh, sandhillsdev.com and uh, we're also looking for more support help, sandhillsdev.com slash careers if anyone's interested in in that sort of thing and uh, you can follow me on twitter at mr kyle mauer there you go now i know how to pronounce your name i don't think i've ever heard you say your last name so no i know <laughs> like i've always said more or something <laughs> just like yeah everybody does everybody. Yeah. okay well not me anymore yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anymore <laughs> uh, so yeah uh, for for myself everything's over at brianhog.com uh, yeah. so it's two g so yeah thank you again uh, everyone and we will see you next time sweet